from the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Sarah Foss and I'm joined by Buzzy Cohen. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Pleasure to be back in Podland with you. Here we are. We're potting, Buzzy. I wanted to share that we are only two days away from the launch of our new podcast, This is Jeopardy, the story of America's favorite quiz show. And I'm just excited for you to join us on this exploration of the show's history. Um, We start with a piece of Jeopardy history that superfans would definitely know about, but maybe not the casual viewer. And that's how the show started in the 60s and was shaped by one of the biggest scandals in American television. Anyone who's a fan of the movie Quiz Show will know about it. I don't want to spoil too much, but check out the podcast when it is released Wednesday, April 26th, a new episode each week to follow. I think it's been really great making all of these and just diving into all of these moments and people and decisions that have shaped our beloved show and make it such uh, an important part of people's lives. Yeah, this is something the folks at Sony Music and Jeopardy, Sony Pictures, we've been talking about this for a long time. So to see it finally coming to fruition with your beautiful voice. Oh, thank you. It's happening. It's happening. So as if you didn't have enough enjoyment from this (laughs) weekly podcast of Inside Jeopardy, now you're going to have This is Jeopardy. People are just going to be walking around like fountains of Jeopardy knowledge. Yes, and a lot of Buzzy Cohen in your ears. I hope you all enjoy it. I'm excited to hear from fans uh, what they're thinking about the topics we cover, how we cover them. I'm also really excited, as you know, Sarah, as we sometimes do on Inside Jeopardy, but we really do a lot on This Is Jeopardy. We got to talk to a lot of the people who lived these moments, who were part of these decisions, and you hear it from their voice, which is really special hearing, you know, Lisa and Harry and yourself and, you know, everyone else who has been a part of the show for decades um, talking about, you know, what was it like to be on the staff when Ken Jennings is in the middle of his run. What did that feel like? You know, it's 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 pretty cool. You know, you don't think yes. about what that moment was like. Yes, and reliving how none of us knew what would unfold, how it would end, what impact it would have on the show. Would he break Jeopardy? All of those questions that we were all thinking, you're going to hear about yeah. them and you're going to hear, you know, inevitably what happened from all of that and yeah. how the show has evolved. It's super fun. I uh, can't wait for everyone to hear it. Definitely subscribe wherever you get your podcast. But for now, should we talk about last week's games? All right. Let's cue those beep boops. Factors ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. 
The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. As we mentioned last week, Ben Chan unable to travel back to the Alex Trebek stage to go for that fourth victory. So he kicked off the week with three new contestants, a rare thing on Jeopardy, Madeline McKenna, Daniel Sharaki, and Tony Van Campen. Before we dive into the games, I'm curious, was this a just pull the number out of the hat to decide who had that first podium? It was. It was a random draw. You know, people were very committed about their opinions at the end of friday's show we always tease the next week's contestants Mm -hmm. and obviously when we ended friday's show in that moment we had no idea that when we came back to tape weeks later ben chan would not be there as the returning champion and so we put a lot of thought into this moment and we really felt that in that show on friday if we were just to come out and say three new contestants will be back on monday you know, it's still Bin Chan's weekend to be a champion. Yeah. The world did not find out that Bin Chan wasn't able to return until Monday. And I didn't want to rob him of that. He obviously had an incredible run, three runaways heading into the weekend. And we felt that if we didn't do it, it would alert people why didn't we do it. If we did it and said Ben wouldn't be back, people would be wondering why Ben wouldn't be back. So that was a conscious choice on our part to tease the next show as if Ben would be there. Of course, at the top of Monday's show, Ken did come on and announce that Ben wasn't able to travel, that we would have these three new contestants. And this is a rarity. Yeah. Hasn't happened, for those of you that remember, hasn't happened for us since poor Zach Newkirk. Mm. Obviously, it's March. Zach is a champion. We're taping those shows. And then we don't come back. And then when we do resume shows... Poor Zach, he can't travel. We're only using local contestants. And then he comes back and he faces, oh, you know, an eight-day champion in Brian Chang. And that's where Brian's streak ended. Of course, then Zach went on to win two more games and compete in the TOC. And I want to just address this because obviously Ben will be coming back. And what happens is once we know that a champion can return, as in Zach's case or as in Ben's case, They go ahead and let them know, and they book them way ahead. They don't know in that moment what will be happening on those tape dates. They haven't happened. So, you know, people would say, how could you have put poor Zach up against an eight-time champion and Brian Chang? That wasn't intentional. We booked Zach to come back long before we knew who the returning champion would be. Brian hadn't even played at that moment. And the same thing will happen when Ben comes back. So, sorry. Let's get into the game. But Please. that was a lot to cover. Yeah. It's the Jeopardy round. It's a rarity. We're here at Inside Jeopardy to talk about special things that happen in the show. Exactly. And, you know, why not talk In about case you one? forgot, it's Madeline McKenna, <laughs> Daniel Sharaki, and Tony Van Campen. And well, in the Jeopardy round, it was a close one. It was a very close one. Uh, Tony converted that daily double, giving her a slight lead uh, coming out of the Jeopardy round. And in that interview, we did learn from Daniel, you know, like many of us, watched Jeopardy since he was a child. And when Johnny would come on and say, this is Jeopardy, he would say, this is Nemini. 
And so Ken joked, we may have a Jeopardy champion and a Nemony champion today. <laughs> well, the double Nemony round continued. Uh, no one really quite caught their stride. Both contestants, Madeline and Daniel, missing their daily doubles. Didn't make huge wagers, though. And Daniel ends the double Jeopardy round with a slight lead, 8,800 over Tony's 8,000 and Madeline's 3,800. Yeah, and thankfully for Daniel, he was the only one to come up with the correct response. In Final Jeopardy, he is a new champion. Ken exclaims, Daniel, you are a Nemini champion. Well done. <laughs> in the post-game chat, Tony did say, you know, it seems to go faster here than it does at home, and I have commercials. <laughs> and I think that's such a sentiment so many of our contestants share, that it just goes so, so fast. So fast, yeah. I did enjoy that Daniel also updated <laughs> his Twitter handle to at public Nemini ah. uh, and shared a video from his watch party. We love those watch parties. Yeah, and our affiliate in Baltimore, WBFF, our BFFs in mm. Baltimore, they went out to cover his watch party. Always great to see the support when fans come to watch. Ah, well, heading into the Tuesday game, Daniel up against Deb Bilodeau and Jeremy Felton. Got to ask, uh, Deb, a winemaker from Oakland, did Deb happen to drop any wine for at the Jeopardy uh, set? You know, come on. They did not. But in their interview, they did talk about stomping grapes. You know, mm. it's this fantasy we all yes. have ever since we saw Lucy and Ethel do it. Deb told us, not all that great. You mm. know, it's very cold. You got to step on the grapes with your bare feet. And then there's stems attached, so you're scratching yourself. Have you ever done grape stomping? Never done it. Have you done it? I'm sure the I Clue mean, Crew. I mean, how many times have the Clue Crew stomped on grapes? Oh, well. At least oh, more than once. Only once. Oh. But I can say it is not that television moment that you well, expect after watching Lucy. But isn't the whole point of the Lucy episode that it's, like, not fun? I don't know. As a kid watching it, it seemed I thought fun. it seemed really fun. But Lucy makes everything seem silly. It's true. Another thing that the Clue Crew <laughs> was asked to recreate once is the Lucy and Ethel chocolate Chocolates, factory yeah. scene. And so we were at the Orange County Fair years ago, and they had an actual exhibit where they had a conveyor belt with chocolates coming back, but all the chocolates were plastic. So we had brought in our own chocolates so that Sophia Linskog and I, dressed as Lucy and <laughs> Ethel... AKA. Sarah and Sarah, too. <laughs> yes, we did look similar. Um, so that as the chocolates went by, we could shove them in our mouths. And, you know, it was really good when it was going slowly. But as the conveyor belt got faster and faster, we couldn't tell which ones were real and plastic. Oh and we're putting in dirty chocolate balls in our mouth that were plastic. And anyway, I digress. In this game, <laughs> we start out with a Jeopardy round. And we start out with Daniel. He's yeah. got a strong start. $4,000 lead over second place. Jeremy Felton. Deb close behind in third. Uh, let's talk about that National Geographic category, Secrets of the Elephants. Sarah, you know, what, what goes into when we've talked about when you go and talk with a celebrity or, uh, you know, a newsmaker, what goes on when you do these kind of partnership categories with an organization like the National Geographic Society? Sure. Well, National Geographic was doing this docu-series with Disney Plus, and mm. it was directed by James Cameron. Heard of him? Heard of him. Yeah. Got a few successful movies out. Mm -hmm. So National Geographic will often approach us with various projects. We just thought this was such a great one. Obviously, this series debuting for Earth Week. The footage was beautiful. And anytime we can feature National Geographic images or certainly, you know, video is a great opportunity for the show. So 
We said, let's make it happen. There was a chance for a moment that James was actually going to present the category. Wow, wow, Which wee, was wah. very exciting. Um, he was really excited about the idea. We weren't able to make it work with his schedule, but the category itself, I think, was beautiful visually and a great way to celebrate Earth Week. Well, let's keep James Cameron on the Rolodex for yeah. a future clue you know presentation. What? James, whenever you're ready, I know you're going to be busy I with a few he, Avatar I think his friends films. call him Jim, maybe. Jim? Yeah. We're here for you. Well, um, starting the double Jeopardy round in third place, Deb just, I don't know what happened to Deb during that commercial break, but Deb went on fire. 14 correct responses, a correct daily double, ending up with a near runaway score. Deb finishing the double Jeopardy round with $16,500 to Daniel's 8300 But I also want to say Jeremy right in there with $8,000. Yes, and all three players were correct in final, but it was Deb who was able to preserve their lead with a $101 wager. Deb had a great reaction, but I want to talk about Deb's style. You know, I think everyone tends to come on Jeopardy doing some version of the business attire. Sure. And Maybe this is what business attire is for a winemaker from Oakland, but I'm just like really loving this leather jacket over this mustard. Is that a mock turtle turtleneck? I think it's a mock turtleneck yeah. that they were wearing. Just yeah. love this whole vibe. Keep it up, Deb. Yeah, keep it up, which they would try to do on Wednesday as they faced Devin Lohman and Ben Spilsbury. And Ken opens the show with, It was winemaker Deb Bilodeau who stomped more than grapes in yesterday's game. Oh, Ken. Today we welcome a new vintage of contestants. (laughs) Did you have a hand in writing that? Yep. Uh, (laughs) That has has me written all over it. I love a good wine fun pun. And, you know, Ken's a dad. He's not afraid of a dad joke. No, he embraces it. But yeah. please know, like, Ken does not say anything he doesn't want to say. So if he says it, I didn't make him say it. Like, we agreed it would be fun. Okay. <laughs> well, Deb dominated the Jeopardy round, their second round in a row with 14 correct responses. Only $600 on that daily double, but ending the round with an impressive 7600 In double Jeopardy, Deb had another strong round, but Devin Lohman was able to find both daily doubles, going all in on the first for $5,800 and scoring 7000 on the second, which wow. helped give him a small lead over Deb heading into final. Wow. I just got to say, good on Devin making those big daily double wagers and puts him in the pole position. However... Man, all three of our contestants got stumped in final jeopardy. I want to talk about the clue, but Devin ends up winning our game with just $1,200. What is it like to win jeopardy with less money than the second place person goes home with? It's happened before. It has happened before. Unfortunately, we had to announce it, but Devin had the lowest winning score of the whole season. So far. So far. And Ben, you know, Ken joked with him in the post-game chat that he's actually the biggest cash winner of the game with his $2,000 second place prize. Well, let's talk about this clue. Can we talk about the clue for a second? talk about the clue, the triple stumper. Lives of the Poets is the category of the clue at a seminary that classifies students' degree of faith. Emily Dickinson was without this, which she compares to a bird in a poem correct answer is hope. Hope is a thing with feathers that perches, etc., etc. I believe that's how the line goes. But I think part of what tripped people up is the phrase without hope is not one that we use a lot today. We would say hopeless. Right. 
And I think that may have, you know, if you focused on the what is coming after without. Well, and all of the contestants, Ben, what is faith? So without faith would make sense. Deb, without doubt. Devin, without God. So all good attempts, if you didn't have the correct response, and understandable how they may have gotten, you know, to those words and not the correct response. Yeah. Well, with his whopping (laughs) $1,200, Devin returns on Thursday facing... Emma Hill Kepren and Sam Clausen. Sam and Emma were neck and neck, similar to the turtleneck that Devin was was wearing. (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth. Ending the Jeopardy round just $200 apart. Devin actually in the negative in that round. I know that not long ago we had the Ryan Johnson category. I feel like Devin stepped out of, <laughs> he's the Chris Evans character in Knives Out with that turtleneck. And I love it. I love, I, we've had a lot of statement pieces this week in the fashion department. Even Emma with that bright pink blazer. I'm, I'm just loving what is coming on the Jeopardy stage and what Devin is giving, as the kids would say. All right. Well, he did find the Daily Double from third place. And Ken joked, hey, on the plus side, you have twice the amount you finished with yesterday <laughs> at $2,400. Unfortunately, he was incorrect. Emma moved into the lead after responding correctly to four of the five 80s and 90s R&B clues. And what did she exclaim at the end before the final clue was revealed? Bring it. You know, Michael Davies is not here, so I have to be the arbit. I'll, I'll step in a little bit with the Jeopardy okay. production time, and even though I'm not a producer and know Since nothing about what, anything that's going show, on. But you tell us how. But we're I'll tell it. you how it's going. <laughs> I'll drop a little knowledge on our listeners. We are just a day away from recording our second set of master shows, and I don't, I can't reveal how many bring it's there might be, but. Sam Buttry is in the house. You know there's going to be a lot of fun to be Oh, had. I can't wait. And if the next shows are as good as the first ones were, woo-wee, it's a good time to be front row at the Alex Trebek stage. That's all I have to say. Well, all three players battling it out in the double Jeopardy round. Devin hitting and converting both daily doubles. Maybe a little gun shy after missing that first round uh, daily double, but with 12 correct responses and no incorrect responses, it is Sam who goes into the final Jeopardy round with the lead, 18,400. Emma, right on his heels with 15,400. And Devin, right in the mix with 10,200. So impressive to think that Devin managed to work his way from the negative mm-hmm. to finish the round with over $10,000 in contention, all three of them Very for much final. So. Unfortunately, we had mm-hmm. another day with a triple stumper. I do want Devin to feel a little better. Devin finished in third with $1,900. I want to remind Devin that just a day before, that would have been a winning score. Absolutely. So it just matters what day you're there. Uh, Due to some wagering, actually, Emma, with a savvy low $4,000 wager, ends up our winner with $11,400. Yeah, tough break for Sam, who from third place had to wager big in order to protect from the other players' potential double-ups. As you mentioned, Emma is our champion. We close out the week with Emma going up against Igor Petrovich and Anjali Salvador. And Ken noted in the open, which was expertly written, I don't know if Sarah <laughs> wrote that, probably, uh, that it's Emma just is... me. Uh, I'm a one-man <laughs> one man, man, Buzzy. Um, well, I didn't want to just feel like I was just tooting your horn, but I know all these amazing opens are crafted expertly by the divine hands of Sarah Wickham Foss. <laughs> Emma is our fourth one-game champion of the week and our 22nd of the season. So sometimes that happens. You know, you get you hit those patches where it's 
a lot of turnover. You hit those patches where someone goes on a long streak. And when you know there's a Champions wild card coming up in the postseason <laughs> next year, the Champions, they just keep coming. Who knows how many we will end up with, but certainly this was a week where we garnered four of them so far. Uh, Emma spent most of the Jeopardy round in the negative, ending up with just $600, while Anjali and Igor both had strong rounds. Well, during the Q&A break during this taping, someone in the audience asked Ken if he still plays bar trivia, and he said that he occasionally does, but it can get a little weird because <laughs> if he wins, it's weird because you're Ken Jennings and you just went to dunk on some local yeah. bar trivia people. But then if he loses, it's also weird because you're Ken wow. Jennings and Ken you can't Jennings win. Ken Jennings <laughs> kind of sucks. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a no-win situation for him. Just loving the explosion of bar trivia these days and so many people making teams yeah. and so many people in the Jeopardy community who then are cited, you know, at these, hey, I yeah. saw so-and-so from Jeopardy at bar trivia. We're really trying to figure out how we can incorporate mm-hmm. a bar network of sorts because these are our people. They're out there. They're having fun. They're playing trivia. We want them on Jeopardy Yeah, I mean, if they got, haven't already been. Uh, L.A. has the O'Brien scene. Yes. New York, Austin runs a couple of bar trivia nights, I believe. I know that some Jeopardy alums run some down in uh, D.C. I'm all over the country. It's a great network. I also want to make a special request to our podcast producer, Alexa, to isolate uh, Sarah just said, Ken Jennings sucks. And I just want that as my <laughs> ringtone going into the future. Ken, I'm sorry. I love Ken. That's why it I It was can... <laughs> only a hypothetical situation. If you were to go to Bar Trivia and lose, people might say, Ken Jennings sucks. I think, I, I think it's safe to it say that- It wouldn't happen. No, I think it's safe to say that there are a few people outside of Ken's family that love Ken as much as I do. I would count you among those people, but I really do love him. And that's why it was so funny to hear you say <laughs> that, because we both love him so it much. It would never come out of our mouths normally. Emma spent the double jeopardy round mounting her comeback, 10 correct responses, and a daily double on her way to a tiny but meaningful $100 lead heading into final. But thankfully, heading into final Jeopardy, Emma was correct. She holds on to her lead, and she's able to break the four-day streak of one-day winners. (laughs) The streak has been broken. When asked if she would be celebrating this weekend, Emma responded, yes, I'll probably have some drinks. All right, well, that wraps up this week's shows. I hope Emma enjoyed that weekend basking in the glory of being a two-day Jeopardy champion. Let's answer some viewer questions. Steven asks, how long does it take to tape one episode of Jeopardy and how much gets edited out of an episode? How long does it take to tape five episodes? Well, great question, Steven. We're very efficient at Jeopardy. So I often like to say it takes us about as long to record a single episode of Jeopardy as it does for you to watch it at home. We really only take breaks where we would normally break for commercials, but obviously we don't play those in the studio. So that's a chance for our contestants to get any briefing they may know, for our host to answer any questions from folks in the audience, or for our host to also get reacquainted with some of the questions that he or she may be asking our contestant in the interview. So it really is a pretty efficient and quick process. It's easy to understand how the contestants say that it goes by so quickly. Mm And with five episodes, we do three in the morning, we take a lunch break, and we come back and do two in the afternoon. On a good day, we will start our first episode at 11.15, and including our lunch break, we'll usually wrap around 4.30. So it's about five hours, including a lunch break, to tape 
five episodes of Jeopardy. So if you've ever been to a taping of a sitcom or anything like that, and you've been there for hours to get one 30-minute show, we suggest you come and see a Jeopardy taping. (laughs) You're going to get to see three shows or two shows in a very small amount of time. It's a great opportunity to see what it's like to really be on the Alex Trebek stage. The tickets are free. You can go to our website to get those, and uh, we'd love to have you at the show. A user on Reddit asks, has there ever been a Jeopardy game where both double Jeopardy daily doubles were in the same category? Would the writers ever allow this? Well, great question. The response is no, there never has been an incident where we had two daily doubles in the same category for a number of reasons. But most importantly, our writers feel that if a particular contestant was really strong in one category, to have two daily doubles in that category would really not be fair. The idea of the daily double is to have it hidden somewhere and for it to be, you know, a tool to maybe change a scenario. If you're close with someone else or you're behind, like it can be a game changer. But if you were to put both of them in the same category, Let's say a contestant's really strong in that category. They get one daily double correct, and they know that this is their category. They go into the next. They already have kind of a different, I would say, advantage to getting them both in the same category. So that will not happen, which is why I think Buzzy and I often get frustrated when we're watching games. And we'll see a contestant select a category in a dollar amount. The daily double comes up. They get the correct response. And then they stay in that category when we know there's another daily double hidden somewhere else. Go find it. Even if you want to bet $5, the minimum, on that daily double, at least you're keeping it from your competitors. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll get into some of that clue selection strategy as it played out in Masters because it's a big part of the game. And that brings us to the end of today's show. Join us next week for more gameplay discussion, more fashion discussion, more just frivolity and fun talking about your favorite show. And be sure to tune in to This Is Jeopardy on Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts as well. If you are interested to hear more about this podcast on Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time, I will be doing a Reddit AMA at the Jeopardy subreddit that is an Ask Me Anything. Pop in, ask a question, and I will do my best to answer it. Oh, you know I'll be there. I can't wait for that. I can't (laughs) wait to listen to the This Is Jeopardy podcast on Wednesday. Where do you get your podcast, Sarah? Spotify. Okay, me too. Really? We're not so different after all. Oh, and there we thought we were. I also can't wait to join you again next week, Buzzy. This has been fun. As always, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, and follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter, on Instagram, Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on TikTok. And send your questions to InsideJeopardyPodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.